Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this special edition of What's New in History. We have a special guest today. His name is Gary Cookson. He's teaching currently in southern china he hails from lancaster england a dedicated history nut like us and we are going to talk about kingship so frederick this is sort of like a cross between a what's new in history and a bonus episode this is really interesting what we're going to talk about so on january 14th of this year Frederick X of Denmark, and I know we have a lot of people from Denmark listens to our show, was, well, he wasn't coronated like the king of England was. He was just ascended to the throne. And people sometimes ask Gary, too, like, why wasn't, why wasn't he? Why didn't he have a coronation? And he has the answer, and it's very interesting. So, Gary, welcome to uh, What's New in History and Fan of History. And, yes, let's, let's hear it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so a lot of people asking me about comparing the King of England to the King of Denmark because they were coronated so close to each other. And the real answer, we have to go back to 1848 and the revolution within Europe. Uh-huh. And that revolution was actually quite unique because it affected all the European countries. And that's the only revolution that actually affected all the countries. Normally, they just affect one or two, but this actually affected all of them. Yeah. So there was a, like a series of revolutions in, in the 18, well, 1848, right? And I, yeah. I think, and that's sort of like, sort of the birth of our modern world in a lot of ways, I think, our democratic institutions and constitutions, right? But so yeah, what does yeah, it have to do with the king? So how did this well, all happen? Well, part of it was coming to the end of the revolution. They decided and agreed to change the, a lot of the country's constitutions or a country like Denmark to write the first constitution. And when they wrote those constitutions, they abolished the absolute monarchy and the imperial monarchy and brought in a non-imperial constitution monarch with limited powers. Uh-huh. And part of the agreement with the new constitution in 1850s was that the king would not be coronated and for the symbolic of not wearing his crown ever. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and so in some countries, they can they only look at the crown while they do the oath. 
And in other countries, they actually touch the crown and put the hand on top of the crown, but they don't actually wear it on top of their heads. That's amazing. That's a crazy, um, like... Um... Yeah. And the, the king of the European countries, uh, well, except the UK, they actually do the oath to the people and to the constitution, where in Britain, the people do the oath to the king. Uh-huh. So it's in reverse. All right, so let's take it back a step. So we're talking about... So, so just a month ago, we have a king in Europe that uh, he can't even touch his crown, and we have constitutional monarchies, and that's just a sort of a symbolic thing, but it's so, super interesting. And we have these constitutional monarchies that were started. Basically, the whole process got started sometime back in 1848, and I guess we should let's let's talk a little bit about that. That what was the first revolution? Was it in France? No, it was in southern Italy, in Sicily, oh, okay. and then France was a few months after. So France was close behind. Yeah, well, it all started with what they call the hungry 1840s or the hungry 40s with the economic depression. Okay. And there was and the food prices shot up with the inflation and with mechanization coming in, a lot of people lost their jobs, and the factories and the farms just basically let everyone go. Okay. And so you have on mass unemployment and severe poverty and then obviously no hope for the future. And this sparked a revolution, which no one was expecting. It came as a complete surprise and a complete shock to everyone that it took off so quickly. It started in southern Italy. And Italy wasn't even really a country then, right? No, it was within four. It was four countries. It was the kingdom of Sicily and the king of Sicily. Is that where the revolution, that's where the first yeah, one started? Was, yeah, in Sicily. Yeah, it was the Sicilians to start the trouble. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't Italy. It was the Kingdom of Sicily. Okay. And, and so, yeah. It just, and then it's sort of like the Arab Spring in a way. It just sort of spread like wildfire once one. Yeah, very similar. During the Arab Spring, a lot of people actually compared the two together. Yeah, it yeah. was very similar. Well, it started in spring in 1848 in okay. Italy and then in Paris. And was, one of the biggest problems was that. In Paris, because of the unemployment situation, they started doing a lot of workshops for the city dwellers. Okay. And these workshops was like to teach people skills, but give them, up, and you give free labor in exchange. Like a but free internship. Paid, yeah. Okay. And this was paid through the general tax system, and the French farmers thought this was appalling and thought these city dwellers were lazy. And they forbid this for the tax money to go be used in this way. Oh. And so uh, by summer of 1848, they actually closed down the workshops and those 100,000 French men suddenly had lost everything. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay. And so by the summer of 1848, the barricades in Paris went up. And, in, and also in most of the major capital cities of Europe, they started doing the barricades. And Stockholm also had one barricade oh. as well. I wonder but if it was it near Dan's lasted, house. Yeah, but it only lasted a month. Oh, it only lasted a month? But the one in Paris lasted a few years until they took them down. Really? Yeah. So that's like Le Miz, be, the movie Le Miz, right? Like the yeah, movie I should is, say in yeah. the play. They put the barrier. That's about the same time, right? It's about the, that was yeah, like the revolution? That, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. That's exactly correct. And so where do you yeah. barricade? I guess you barricade yourself into an area, barricade a couple of blocks and tell them they can't come in. Yeah, they did down the streets. Okay. Just, uh, a few blocks and then just, yeah, just put the furniture there and then just man it with a gun and say you cannot <laughs> enter. Today, you just fly a helicopter over it and it would have worked. Yeah. <laughs> so they put up the and actually, Go ahead, sorry. And actually, I've got, I found a digital copy of a photograph from 1848 of the two barricades in the French street. And I put it on my website. So it's Oh, we'll link that in our no, show notes. That's amazing. I didn't realize they even had cameras back then. I know it was like. No, I no, no. Really? I remember that there's the first picture from like the Crimean War, which is like the 1850s, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, but the very first photograph was 1826 in Paris, and this was the fourth or fifth photograph ever taken. Amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing? Paris. So that's that really reminds me of like I sort of thought about this before, and I meant, just mentioned it. It's like the birth of the modern world. These revolutions of 1848, because yeah, it, it just is. seems like yeah. all of a sudden you have these constitutions everywhere, and people just want to have rights. And it's really interesting how you said it was, I didn't understand, I've heard of those workshops, but now I really get it. It's sort of like how people complain about giving money for welfare today. Yes, yeah. And so that's what happens if you let everybody off the welfare rolls. Let me tell you guys, (laughs) the people put up barricades and then they start. So then, okay, so then we have all these revolutions. So they're going, so what countries had revolutions? We know it's Sicily and Italy and then France. And was there Germany too? Well, yeah, but Prussia. Oh, well, Prussia. Yeah, Prussia. And uh, Austrian Hungarian Empire. Okay. And they basically, they had 15 languages within the empire. And each and each one basically wanted a federation within the empire. And respect for each individual languages and the right to have state laws. And then by 1840, Late 1848 to 1849, Hungary actually tried to become independent and had a little a little war with the Habsburgs to make okay. independence. Well, the Habsburgs and the Russians were alliance in the Holy Alliance. Okay. And so the Russians came down through the Black Sea, through Romania, to teach Romania, because they were also thinking of trying to get more independence and then into Hungary and the Habsburg and the Russian armies. Then, well, they did, well, they destroyed the independence of Hungary. Okay. 
And also Poland at the same time was half owned by Prussia and half owned by Russia at both ends. And they also wanted their own independence. But then when they saw what happened to Hungary, they calmed down. And they decided not. They gave up on the idea. But the revolution was really about having more vote, rights to vote, having more say in the democratic process. And so you have kind of like four people. You had the communism, because Karl Marx wrote his communist manifesto in 1848. Oh. And you had Engles also watching, and they would meet up later. You then had the liberals started, the constitutional liberals, and you had the socialism. That also started this time. You Then on the other side, on the right, you had the conservatives, which then they made conservative liberalism by taking some of the liberal ideas. And you had the monarchists. And the monarchists, obviously, they thought the king should have all the power and have all the, the constitution should be on the king's side. And one thing I found very interesting is they also demanded no censorship at all, and they wanted the end of censorship. So when that came, they started making their own pamphlets and their own newspapers. Okay. And it seems like everyone suddenly just started making their own pamphlets out of their own back doors kind of thing. Yeah. And this was mainly done by women. It was mainly done by the wives making all the... Yeah, it's, it's well documented that it was all the wives and the mothers making all these pamphlets. Like and physically newspapers. making them and writing them, or is, is it a little the, the, they were like physically printing them? They were printing them, but okay. it was like a, still a physical thing. It wasn't like an automatic. Printing. Yeah, right, 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 right. So the, were the women writing it too? Um, it yeah, was, some most of the time, yeah, but there were amazing. a few. It's like today, they're really like, well, look at us here. We're we're recording a podcast because we have yes. the technology now to do it, right? When I was when we were yeah. kids, I don't know how old you are, but I'm about as old as Frederick the Tenth of Denmark. Actually, <laughs> we actually have almost the same birthday, <laughs> day and year. So you could look up. That's how old I am. And um, <clears throat> like we couldn't make a TV show or we couldn't do a YouTube video. Like you know, we watch whatever yeah. was on TV and that was the information you had. And now people could watch about why the earth is flat. Or they could look up good information and learn why the kings of Europe don't have coronations anymore. But there's a lot of information flying around out there today. And I think at this time, it sounds like it was a similar thing. But, you know, it was just on paper and you had to be able to read. But people could read. And I just think it's interesting, too, how the kings actually did abdicate. Like, there wasn't tons of slaughters, right? I mean, they have barricades and people did get... There was probably people bloodshed, right? Well, yeah, they did because they had the counter-revolution, which means the national armies went out to the barricades and they would try to talk to them at first, but then they shot them. Yeah. And about 30,000 people lost their lives during the revolution, it's believed. I mean, that's pretty and bad, but it could be a lot worse than that. I mean, if they the just... lowest count. Oh, sorry. And the lowest count I can find is in Stockholm with 30, because they had one barricade, so they had 30 oh, right. injuries. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty grim. You know, you had the army shooting at you, and you had the Russian army in Austria-Hungarian Empire. Yeah, I guess it depends on which country, you know. And then I believe what happened in France, and eventually we had Napoleon the Third, and they yeah, just had a yeah, king Napoleon anyway. Napoleon the Third was the nephew. Yeah, he was the nephew, and he was the citizen king. They call oh. him the citizen king. And he comes through at the end of the revolution and he's in the parliament and he 
networks and becomes the citizen king and the emperor. And he comes through as the one to calm it down and to not to stop the revolution and kill it off, but to compromise with them and bring it to an end and then let France and Europe heal. And then he starts a modernization process. Is that how it kind of happened then? Just sort of like over time, like the so then they let the the king was still there was still a king and then there's still a constitution, but the king maybe still had some power. But then eventually, because it doesn't seem like Frederick the Tenth does he do anything? Like if Frederick the Tenth didn't exist tomorrow, the country of Denmark would run perfectly fine, right? Yes, because the Dane. Well, <laughs> one thing I did find somewhere was. The Danish royals are rich people with crowns. Yeah, very, pretty much. I think yeah. that's what all the royals yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, if you took the royals out of Denmark, not much would happen. Really. Right. So it's just that process started, you know, 150, well, now it's 175 yeah. years ago. And just, yeah. and so all these countries in Europe still have kings. But the funny, so back to the coronation part, it's not just a ceremony. They literally can't put the crown on their head, right? No, they can't. No, it's against the law. So that's amazing. That was so important, though, probably back in the 1848 time, you know? Yes, yeah. This rule, now we just laugh it off. Yeah, it does seem strange, but yeah. But that was the, it's a symbolic gesture. That's what they say. It's symbolic. So they banned the king from doing that. It's like symbolic that he has power over you, I guess. Yeah, it's a very important person. Yeah, they, they saw it as a very symbolic gesture. It's funny how as humans we still like worry about stuff like that, you know, like the Chinese had the, you know, the mandate of heaven. And if you had the ding, if you had the cauldrons yeah. and you were the king, if you had them, you're the king. Yeah. That means you have them. That's all it mattered, you know. So I get, you know, had the crown, you have it. So yeah. it's a symbolic thing. But What happened in Prussia was quite interesting because the Kaiser of Prussia, he went the opposite way. He would not compromise or reform. And he he meets with the revolutions within Prussia and he talks to them and he says, okay. And then he goes back in private and he says to his private government, the gutter crown, I will not accept a gutter crown. Okay. I will not accept this kingship. And so he turns to Bismarck one of his ministers, which later he becomes a prime minister, and Bismarck says, well, he plays a tune on the piano, or the marching tune, to indicate that, you know, he doesn't say anything, but indicate the army should march in, and the king, the Kaiser, says, with blood and iron. Okay. And they start the counter revolution of, the, of trying to fight back. Okay. Did, did he give up some of his power? In Germany or not no. really? Nothing. No, not until after the second, first world war. After the first world war, then he advocated and gave up everything. <laughs> so then, then, so they sort of had. Oh right, so Germany doesn't even have doesn't even have a king at all. No, it doesn't. It's a republic. Since right. The, oh, he completely yeah. abdicated, right? Because there's no German king yeah. in Germany when Hitler yeah, was after the oh, first okay, world right. war. Yeah. He completely abdicated. But England is still technically a monarchy. Is that right? But it's yes, a it's an imperial monarchy as well, an imperial. So that's a bit... And that's because what happened in 1840s within the UK, and what happened was they didn't have the economic depression as much. Okay. Because one of the things they did was they reduced taxes 
and the price of sugar, which came from the Caribbean and Jamaica, they 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 shipped the taxes to Jamaica, so Jamaica rioted, but okay. that wasn't within Europe, so that was seen as okay. Okay. And then they they tax they reduced the tax on the tea, which then meant Sri Lanka also rioted because Sri Lanka had to pay more tax to out to balance it out, but that was still seen as okay because that's still not within Europe. Right. And the UK didn't have the unemployment as bad because when the farms mechanized, they cast off their workers. A lot of the workers went into the cotton mills and into the factories. Okay. It wasn't quite as bad as it was within the rest of Europe. Okay. But at this time, you get the Irish potato famine happening in the 1840s during the revolution. And that caused at least one million Irish deaths and another million Irish who emigrated to America. And so you have that happening at the same time. Oh, that's that time. And where I live yeah. in Scranton, Pennsylvania, we have a lot of Irish that came here from yeah. that time. So, yeah, they came here. <laughs> I'm not the only Irish people not here. It's not Irish around here. <laughs> And so also what happened within the UK was the Chartists movement started and they had the same ideas of wanting more political say, more, less controls, less censorship. And they had a petition of most of the people in the country, half the population were on this petition. And they do a big rally in June 1848 and the city of London, they kind of panic and they take out and they, well, they get 80,000 special constables onto the streets of London, thinking the rabble is coming, and they give them a few hours training of here's your truncheon and hit hard. 80,000? <laughs> they gave 80,000, yeah, they, 80, they deputized like 80,000 yeah. people. Amazing. So most of them just stood outside the workplaces to protect the workplace. Okay. Yeah, they were on the streets of London for the day. And interesting, Napoleon III was in London during this time to pick up some new ideas and look and ideas from Europe. And he actually became a special constable during oh. this time. And when he was emperor, he actually talked about the time and he didn't like it. And he thought it was a, a useless thing for London to do and didn't think it was a good idea. And he talks about he apprehended a drunk woman and he had to manhandle her and that's all he saw. <laughs> But the reason why is because they, the rabble was outside London. They met up and it started raining really heavily. Okay. And when the when the men saw the 80,000 policemen, they all just went home. Ah, that's a good left. idea. <laughs> but then three men got their petition to Parliament and it was accepted by Parliament, but then they realised there were too many signatures on it and at least half of the signatures was fought. Oh. And so the movement that had to admit, yes, we committed fraud on the petition, and then it was just trashed and they, everything just fell apart. But eventually, the reforms they wanted, they actually got. Actually, the whole revolution, the, all the European countries slowly implemented these reforms. It just took 100 years. So if people lived long enough, they would have seen they got yeah. everything they wanted. Yeah, they did probably some people did. At least, you know, you could... Go trace it back yeah. to your parents and your grandparents. I, I think I think it seems like too like the kings. It took them some time to get used to the thought, you know, of like to to abdicate yes. their power. Yeah. 
And honestly, like, I, if I were a king, I would think that's a pretty good deal to not actually have to be responsible, yeah. but get all the money and have all the stuff. And I can't, if I can't play king with my crown, that's fine. If I get the big castle and all the stuff, good deal. So yeah, that's, you still get this. You still have the status of being the king. So. Exactly. Well, and you don't have you to get murdered by your brother you're if you want to, he wants yeah. to take over. You're not responsible for every problem in the country. It's a great deal. Yeah. It's It seems that's what it was, though, like that they sort of had to get like, to you know, it's like any idea, you know, you sort of float it by you the first time. You're like, what? Trump's going to be yeah. president? And then all of a sudden, what? Yeah. <laughs> Well, one of the reasons was because the well, the UK finished implementing reforms in the 1920s when women got the rights to vote. Okay. But some other countries in Europe didn't give the women the right to vote until the 1940s. Okay. And one of the reasons is is because the next war, the Crimea War, started quite soon after, and people were busy with the Crimea War to pass laws through the Parliament. Oh, right. So that's one reason. But anyway, go back to the UK because the constitution reforms never happened in the UK. They never changed anything. Queen Victoria thought she wouldn't, because she was the monarch at the time, she thought she wouldn't change anything and not need to change. So the UK never implemented a new constitution. They still stayed the imperial monarchy. And that's why they get a full coronation. And that's why they can wear the crown on the head. It's a bit like up yours, because I still wear mine. <laughs> And the, the monarch of England at least wears his crown once a year. The minimum is once a year when he opens the parliament. Okay. That's amazing. So they're the only really coronation in Europe is England then. No other monarchs of Europe are yes. coronated. No, they're not. That's amazing. And also at the same time in 1840s, you get the emancipation of slavery. Oh, so France re-emancipates their slaves, and so does the UK, except India. So that happened in 1840s, because a lot of there's a lot of talk about freedom and fraternity and brotherhood, and so they demand the end of slavery. And also transportation to Australia slowed down, and the la until 1856, and then the last boat to go was 1860s, and they Australia and the UK completely stopped the transportation. And then you get the, after slavery, you get the indentured, oh, I can't say, indentured workers, indentured workers. Yeah, yeah. You get the indentured workers going across after. And we had American Civil War, so that eliminated slavery that, you know, in here, yeah. in this country. Yeah. So how many generations you figure this would be? If we figure a generation's like 25 years, you have five Six, seven generations per, kind of from now is the 1840s. Yeah, yeah. But that would be if you were born. So if some people were a little bit older, <laughs> if you were just born in yes. 1848. So, you know, but still, you know, that's not really far back in our, you know, collective memory. No, it's not. But it's no, a lot different. Like Before eight, those revolutions, you know, you had kings and you were like you saying about censorship and stuff was important to them because we just take it for granted. We could say almost, you know, most countries yeah. don't say anything yes, you want. Yes, we do. And yeah. then you really couldn't. And somebody heard you say something, you could be, I guess, executed probably for, you know, yeah. anything, really. Yeah. I guess it was the American Revolution and then the French Revolution that just sort of set all these wheels in motion 50 years before those revolutions. Yeah, because, 
in Hungary, in the Hungarian independence, they talk about the French Revolution. It gave them the idea and it inspired them. That's what right. they all talk about. They had it in their collective memory, the French Revolution. Right. And the Habsburg Hungarian Empire, they wanted federation. It's the same style as the American Federation, where you have the state law, then you have the federal law. And each language was respected with its own mini parliament. So that's kind of kind of mirrors the American political system. That's what they wanted. Yeah. And do you also think that the like, you know, if you play a video game, I don't know if you ever play, you know, strategy, strategy video games like civilization. When you switched over to democracy, your economy becomes really more. You know, you get more, your economy is better than if you have a monarchy. And I bet it was similar then. So I bet a lot of the people who would maybe would have been monarchists, like wealthy people and even noble type people, and they could see like a democracy is more efficient in a lot of ways, right? It's more efficient economically. Even Athens was, that's true now that I think of it. When Pisistratus, you know, brought a democracy into Athens, all of a sudden all these people are moving into Athens. And there's all, you know, Athens became a huge city. It seems the same thing, like we have all this economic development and activity in our world because of the democracy. You can't control everything. You have to let people do their thing. And it just, I guess yeah. it became more kind of self-evident, just like they said in the in the you know Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, all men are created yeah. equal. And I guess, yeah. It's interesting how yeah, history has you... this big sweep. Like you have the Enlightenment gets it in their mind, and then you finally have the American and French Revolution. Then another two generations later... You have these revolutions. And then now you and me could sit here and talk about Frederick the Tenth. We could say anything we want about him. And he can't even touch his crown. <laughs> and that's how it all happened. Yes. Yes. So it's an interesting revolution to see how much it actually changed. And the way it came to an end, they actually took the liberals who were the who were one extreme and the conservatives. In most countries, they did like a partnership, a coalition between these to form a government, the conservative liberals and the liberals, and they rewrote the constitutions. So France went into its second republic because they rewrote the French constitution, and Napoleon III was the second. But Denmark actually wrote the first constitution. They never had a constitution before, so they wrote theirs, and then obviously Germany. Actually, Germany did kind of like wrote an early constitution, like a Porto constitution, or Prussia did. But then in 1870, Prussia united into Germany, and that got rewritten rewritten into the first constitution. And Italy also in 1870 united into one single country. Because that's another thing that comes through from the revolution, is nationhood and how people want their own nations and independent nations. That's another strong theme about the revolution. That's really great. I mean, I think it's like I know like as history buffs, we hear about it and think about it. But that really it's eye opening that those revolutions from then are really I feel like birth our modern world that where we are today. So yeah. maybe maybe whatever. Maybe we're due for some new revolutions. <laughs> I don't know. You know, the Chinese <laughs> saying, may you live in interesting times is a curse. We may be getting towards that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I really appreciate coming on our show today. We're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. Our friend Gary is not an American football fan, but I am an American football fan, and I'll be looking forward to that game this evening. By the time you guys hear this, so one of the victors will have been already announced. you have anything else you want to tell us, Gary? And no, uh, before I say it, in the links, we'll put some links. I'm going to look for that picture, 
that you talked about of the barricades of 1848. And then you, uh, you did send me some links and I'm going to put those in the show notes and, um, you know, uh, check out our Facebook page. I'll have this episode posted there. So you can give us any comments you have there. Only good ones. No flat earth, weird stuff, which we didn't talk about today anyway. And, uh, yeah. Anything else, Gary, you want to add? I could say, I really appreciate you coming on today. No, I think that's all of it. Yeah, just the Napoleon III brought it to an end and then Russian army went home. They slowly went back and they came to an end and then the Crimea War started. And then we don't we have Frederick the Tenth with no crown on his yeah. head. Here we well, are. We today. have Charles the Third with a crown. And only Charles the <laughs> Third does have a crown. He has a crown. He has a crown and then the other kings don't. They only get to look at them and play yeah. with them. That's awesome. Well Gary, well let's have you on again. We'll think of have some other topics. Anything okay, that comes on, you. we'll do it again. We have our audio straightened out here, and uh, that's excellent. Thank you, Gary. Cheers. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs>